excited. I'm excited. God's got a word. Are you ready for that word? Who's ready for some change to be broken? I'm about ready to run a pew. Is that going to scare a few of you? Okay, you can be seated. I thank y'all for being here tonight. Some beautiful faces out there, some new faces. Welcome to Relentless Home. Before we get started, let me say a prayer. Lord, we just give you praise for what's taking place in this house. Lord, I ask that you open the ears and the hearts of every person here. Let them come to receive your word, God. Not my word, your word. Let every person here leave tonight different. Let chains be broken and change take place. We give you praise for what you're doing, God, and in your mighty name. Amen. Thank you, Devin. Wow, this is exciting. I don't know how I'm going to get through it. I'm excited. Let me tell you something. When Pastor Kyle asked me to bring a message, I said, don't you play with me, Kyle. Because I knew what message I was going to bring. The Lord had given me a message three years ago. Oh, it's good. The message he gave me three years ago. So when he told me to bring the message, I went to give him the message, and I didn't have a freedom about it. And then the Lord spoke to me, and he said, you wrote that message at a place of victim. Now I need for you to write it from a place of victory. And that's where we're going. The message tonight is called, I am not prey. Say it with me. I want you to say it. I am not prey. Now, the reason I want you to say it is because anytime you go back to this message and when you think about it, you're going to say, I am not prey, and you're going to speak it into the atmosphere. And the enemy will take his place, which is where? Under your feet. Praise God. Say it again. I <laughs> Praise God. You are not prey. A few years ago... Braden and I returned home from having dinner with my husband. He was a, a firefighter. He, he worked once a month at the local fire department, and we would go have dinner with him while he was there. So we came home, and when we came home, there was something black on the front part of our porch on the window, standing vertical. I'm like, what is that, Moses' staff? What is that? I don't know what that is. I got closer, and I realized it was a snake, a black snake, or as I like to call it, the black anaconda devil. I don't do snakes. When people find out that you're a Pentecostal holiness background, they say, oh, did you handle snakes? Oh, no, we didn't. <laughs> That's not true. We did not handle snakes. Well, I immediately called Brian, very calm and collected, and said, honey, would you please come remove this snake? I wasn't calm. <laughs> I wasn't collected. So he came, which was quite funny because he brought the big fire truck to come and remove this snake. So he got out, and I said, you know what? Don't kill it. Because everybody says, what? Black snakes are good. They kill, they kill other snakes. They kill rodents. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so we let the snake live. So he took it to the back part of our property. He walked it, I mean, way back. To where the creek was. Took it back. Life was good. Snake was gone. All right. The next day, next evening actually, I went to let the, my little dog out. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, that snake is around the light fixture on the porch. 
listen, when the Holy Spirit speaks to you, you listen. So I creaked that door open, and sure enough, I was eye to eye with that black anaconda devil. <laughs> so I shut that door, and I said, Brian, that snake's back. He didn't believe me. I have been known to exaggerate a little bit. So he didn't, <laughs> he didn't believe me. But he jerked the door open, and sure enough, there was that snake. Now, we had no choice but to get rid of it because it's something about being face-to-face -to, -face to a snake. You lose empathy for its purpose, right? <laughs> so afterwards, I wondered why that snake came so close to our house. And then I realized I had two ferns hanging from my porch, and there was a baby bird in one of those ferns. The snake had his sights set for that bird. He had a hunger for baby bird. Isn't that how the enemy works in our life? He sets his sight on us waiting for one weak moment to attack. Say it with me, church. I am not prey. Praise you, Jesus. You know, there was a point when Brian took that snake back to the creek. It was free. He had been around an area that was full of rodents and frogs and lizards. But no, he didn't want that. He wanted what he wanted, so he risked his life to make his way back to that bird. He prayed upon this innocent bird, and the bird had no clue what fate awaited him. You see, the bird had not seen the outside, the covering of that fern. Therefore, he did not know what dangers lurked about. Let me come back to that. We're all like that bird, the snake, the enemy, waited for the opportunity to catch the bird off guard and devour him. The fern was actually a false covering. Come on. How many times do we get under a false covering? That was a false home for that bird and for us without a personal relationship with Christ, the covering, the enemy sees us as prey. Whew. Come on. We need to learn to follow Christ so he will lead us to places where we have full view. Because why? We have the Holy Spirit and a family of believers who watch our back. Relationship and connection is very important. Your connection here helps with your relationship with him. Now listen. If you base your relationship with Abba Father on connection you have with others, you don't have it, then it's a false covering. Think about that. If you base your relationship with Jesus on your relationship here, that's a false covering. But if you base your relationship with, the, with God in the mix, he's your covering and that connection, what happens? True covering, not a false covering. Whew. I don't know about you, but many times I've retreated to false coverings. When we retreat to false coverings, we rest in blindness, having no idea what is going on in the spiritual realm. Spiritual doesn't just mean heaven. It means demonic as well. I recently put myself under a false covering. I said what I said. I recently put myself on a false cover. Let me tell you why. I recently had an MRI, and there were some spots found on my breast. 
And my first instinct was to retreat to myself, false covering. And I even had in my mind, well, I'm just going to keep it to myself, retreat to myself. And, and then I had this false martyr mentality. Well, I don't want to share this with other people. I don't want to bring them now, down. False covering, right? Oh, but praise God. We are under the leadership of a great man in this house, Pastor Kyle, who asked me, who told me, be vulnerable, share. And I did. And you know what happened? That relationship with my father and that connection with people in this house, prayer took place. Say it with me. I am not pray. Whew. It's getting good. Come on now. Are you As Kyle does. <laughs> Where's my first scripture? 1 Peter 5, 8. says, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Watch the key word there. Like a roaring lion. Christ is represented as a lion throughout scripture, but not a lion to devour his people, but to devour and conquer his enemy. Know your enemy. Your enemy poses himself as victorious and conquering. And many times in our blindness and false coverings, we surrender to a false power. Know your enemy and stop surrendering to a false power, a false covering. You have victory. You are not prey. Oh, it's about to get good. Come on now. When you read verses, praise you, Jesus. When you read verses Genesis 49, 8 through 12, and Revelation 5, 5, you see reference to the real line who was and is victorious and conquering. And that line is Jesus, the line of Judah. Come on. How can you not want to praise when you hear the words, the lion of Judah, the true lion, not the like lion, the true lion. Woo, I'm about to shout up in here. <laughs> Throughout scripture, lions symbolize power, fierceness, and majesty. Mm, this is about to get good, y'all. I'm going to tie in the Old Testament to the New Testament. You awake? Is this okay? <laughs> Glory. Jesus was prophesied in the beginning. Come on now. In Genesis 49, 8 through 12, Jacob blesses his son Judah, referring to him and his future tribe as a lion's cub and a lion. All right, I'm going to read it. Genesis 49, 8 through 12. Judah, your brothers will praise you. You will grasp your enemies by the neck. All your relatives will bow before you. Judah, my son, is a young lion that has finished eating its prey. Like a lion, he crouches and lies down like a lioness who dares to rouse him. The scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from his descendants, until the coming of the one to who it belongs, the one whom all nations will honor. He ties his foal to a grapevine, the colt of his donkey to a choice vine. He washes his clothes in wine, his robes in the blood of grapes. His eyes are darker than wine, and his teeth are whiter than the milk. Than milk. The 
line of Judah. The Messiah. Based on Jacob's blessing, the line is a symbol of the tribe of Judah. The true lion. Not the like lion. I want you to get that in your head. Not the like lion. The true lion. The lineage of Jesus is in Matthew 1. And it shows Jesus was a descendant of Judah. The line of Judah. Again, the true lion. Now, I was going to have you go read it. Because it's a lot. Have you ever read Matthew 1? Who's read Matthew 1? And about the lineage of Jesus. Okay. It's a lot. And I was just going to go fast. But you know what? I'm going to read it. All right. Now, hold on. Y'all ready? The ancestors of Jesus. I'm reading Matthew 1. Here we go. This is the second of the ancestors of Jesus the Messiah, a descendant of David and of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac was the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah was the father of Perez and Zara, whose mother was Tamar. Perez was the father of Hezron. Hezron was the father of Ram. Ram was the father of Amadab. Amadab was the father of Nashon. Nashon was the father of Salmon. Salmon was the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz was the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed was the father of Jesse. Jesse was the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother was Bathsheba, the widow of Uriah. You with me? Solomon was the father of Rehoboam. Rehoboam was the father of Abijah. Abijah was the father of Asa. Asa was the father of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat was the father of Jehoram. Jehoram was the father of Uzziah. Uzziah was the father of Jotham. Jotham was the father of Ahaz. (sighs) Come on. Ahaz (laughs) was the father of Hezekiah. Hezekiah was the father of Manasseh. Manasseh was the father of Amon. Amon was the father of Josiah. Josiah was the father of Jehoiakim. And Jehoiakim and his brothers, born at the time of exile to Babylon. After Babylonian exile, Jehoiakim was the father of Shehatil. Shehatil was the father of Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel was the father of Abiad. Abiad was the father of Elakim. Elakim was the father of Azar. Azar was the father of Zadok. Zadok was the father of Akim. Akim was the father of Elad. You still with me? Okay, it's getting there. Elad was the father of Eleazar. Eleazar was the father of Mahat. Mahatan was the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. Mary gave birth to who? Jesus, who is called what? The Messiah. Woo! Did you get that? What did Jacob prophesy? He prophesied what? There you go. Y'all, get, y'all, y'all don't even need me. I'm just kidding. Revelation 5 5 says, But one of the 24 elders said to me, Stop weeping. Look, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the heir to David's throne, has won the victory. He is worthy to open the scroll and its seven seals. Y'all, did you see that? He was in the beginning, and he's in the end, and he's now. Whew. The line of Judah, the one prophesied in the beginning in the book of Genesis, has won the victory. New Testament fulfilling Old Testament. All right. Stop posturing yourself to I need victory when in reality you already have victory. Come on now. You already have it. It was in the beginning. You have it now. Your enemy preys on your thoughts of defeat. You are not prey. Say it with me. I am not prey. Woo! Jesus conquers the enemy just as the enemy wants to conquer anything that is of Jesus. 
Do you realize the enemy lost access the moment he fell from heaven? The moment he fell, he set his sights on everything and anything of God. Why? Because he knows he is defeated, which is why he puts so much effort in taking glory from God. He doesn't want God to get glory. He's a punk. He's a punk. Let's just get real. I can say big words, but he's a punk. I don't like him. How many times do we say, I'm praying for victory, and we already have it? Guilty. I'm guilty. I'm praying for you, sister. Thank you for saying. (laughs) Jesus conquered death. The grave could not hold him, based on Revelation 1.18. Thank y'all for y'all's grace. This is my, I don't know if y'all know, but it's kind of my first time. And we trying to line stuff up. Thank you to the media. Thank you. <laughs> Let me read that verse again. Revelation 1.18 says, I am the living one. I died, but look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and the grave. Mm. In this verse, we learn that he is alive. Death prayed on Jesus. But Jesus was greater. Why? He prayed and he had a relationship with his father. He was and is victorious and conquering. He is the true lion. Mm. All right, let me go back to the birds. Y'all remember the birds? Okay. One thing about the birds, when you think about birds, God used birds throughout the Bible as signs of his presence to draw attention to his message. He used eagles, doves, sparrows, ravens, and others to demonstrate his love and care for us. When you think about a bird, you think about life, peace, strength, hope, healing, wisdom, and freedom. Wow. The most significant was the dove. In Genesis 8, 10 through 12... It says, after waiting another seven days, Noah released the dove again. This time, the dove returned to him in the evening with a fresh olive leaf in its beak. A symbol of peace to the world. Then Noah knew the floodwaters were almost gone. He waited another seven days and then released the dove again. This time, it did not come back. This scripture is not only a sign of life after the flood, but a symbol of God's promises. New life, new hope, and a world that has been restored. Victory. Do you hear me? Victory. Mm. Genesis 6, 18 says, But I will confirm my covenant with you, so enter the boat, you and your wife, and your sons and your wives. Meaning God saved them as promised. Noah was not pray. Why? Because why? He had a relationship with his father. Another time a bird was used is referenced in Matthew 3, 16 through 17. Y'all, this is the one that gets me every time when I read this. This is beautiful. You never look at birds the same when you, when you tie this together. Come on now. Matthew 3.16 says, After his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove 
and settling on him. Matthew 3, 17 says, And a voice from heaven said, This my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. At this moment, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are present. The Trinity had manifested with one choosing to show itself as a bird. Come on. Bird. What did I say bird was like? I mean, what was it? A bird is life, peace, strength, hope, healing, wisdom, and freedom. Okay, let's talk about that anaconda devil. Let's talk about that snake. What does a snake represent? Yes, gross. You're exactly right. It's gross. I don't have that one, but I'll put that one in next time. I... <laughs> a snake, throughout Scripture, snake brings death, destruction, evil, temptation, deceit, chaos, pain, and sin. What is the definition of prey? Prey is an animal hunted and killed by another for food. You're probably thinking, okay, Renee, why are you reading that? Okay, I'm telling you. Hold on. It, I'm Tying it all together. Just bear with me. All right? Y'all okay? Y'all okay? Okay. Why does the enemy see you as prey when you are in fact the one that carries God's presence? It's because you are valuable to the kingdom and you bring nourishment to the kingdom all for God's glory. Say it with me. I am not prey. Woo! When you are under attack, it's proof that even the enemy believes in you. The enemy will attack you for what you're doing right, not for what you're doing wrong. Mm. How many times have we been left vulnerable to attacks not knowing that the enemy was making his way to us, praying on us from a distance, waiting to attack? Earlier I spoke about the bird had not seen outside the covering of that fern. Therefore, he did not know what dangers lurked about. He was under a false covering. When we are under the covering of our Father, he fights battles we don't see. And he equips us to fight the ones that we can see with spiritual weapons and the unity of our brothers and sisters in Christ. Relationship and connection are important. Deuteronomy 3.22 says, Do not be afraid of the nations there, for the Lord your God will fight for you. The enemy preys on your weaknesses. We see it in society, our schools, our homes, and even our churches. Women have been preyed upon from the beginning. You remember the garden? Come on. Even in Genesis 2.16 but the Lord God warned him, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden. Genesis 2.17 says, except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. Now in Genesis 3, you don't have that one. You're good. I know you're looking for it, but it ain't on there. In Genesis 3, the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, can you just imagine... That old snake, that old enemy, just think he's something and he ain't nothing. He just prances over there. Did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. 
God said you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. Oh, he's a punk. Come on. He's a punk. Say it with me, church. I am not prey. Everything I just read in just a few scriptures reveals the intent of the enemy, a.k.a. the snake. He brings death, destruction, evil, temptation, deceit, chaos, pain, and sin. Mm. The enemy preys on marriages. Our feelings tend to replace the marriage covenant between a man and a woman. Sometimes the enemy will, will prey on the inadequacies in a marriage which can lead to adultery or pornography. The inadequacies in your marriage probably have more to do with you than the need you are trying to fill up with adultery or porn. Stop trying to fill up empty places and start being filled with the Holy Spirit. So he, your father, your covering, the true line will pour out love in all places. Let him fill you up. When you are full, you no longer have inadequacies. When you are full of Jesus, you don't have time to focus on empty spaces. You're too busy being about your father's business. Come on. Grab your spouse's hand and say, I am not pray that's right Woo! I like the sound of that the enemy preys on our churches mm. our enemy preys on our children we live in a society that okays sin or justifies their ideology of who they are I feel I feel I feel and all the feels aren't real while we are wrapped up in our own stuff, our children are being preyed upon by a, a demonic-driven force that wants nothing more than to destroy the promises of God. There's that word again. He wants, but he can't. Are you praying, church? Pastors are scared to share truth out of fear of losing members so the enemy preys on their finances. Are you praying? The enemy preys on friendships. Are you praying for your friends? Are you praying for your pastor? Are you praying for your neighbors? Are you praying for your church? Are you praying for your community? Are you praying for the leaders of this country? Are you praying? Look to the person next to you and say, I am not praying. Y'all ain't playing around. Come on now. Get it. All right. Thank you. It ain't for my glory. It's for his. Okay, I'm just telling you. <laughs> What is prayer? Prayer is the opportunity to spend time with God and develop a deeper relationship with Him. Prayer changes us when we spend time with God. He is working to change our hearts to be more like Him. And the more time you spend with Him, the more you become like Him. God is strong. God is mighty. God is powerful. He is the Lion of Judah. Come on. Clap. Clap for your Clap for him. Come on. I want to know y'all getting it, paying attention. And even Papa Ray is still awake. Praise God. Look at that. <laughs> Are you praying while your enemy is praying? 
When I think of prayer, I think of Daniel. Now listen, I love Daniel in the Bible. He's like my favorite. And I'm just going to tell my age here. If you over 45, then you probably had a grandma that had that big old Bible on the coffee table that you weren't allowed to touch. Anybody had that? I don't know why we weren't allowed to touch it, but I would sneak and do it. <laughs> Imagine that, me doing something I wasn't supposed to. But I would sneak, and there was that picture of Daniel. You know that one where he was standing with the lines like that? Y'all know what I'm talking about? I loved that picture. I loved it. <laughs> he was prey, like literally. He was prey. But the enemy got it wrong. Daniel prayed while he was prey. You ever wonder, did he pray at the moment when he was thrown in the lion's den? Or had he been praying? Well, Scripture tells us he had been praying, which was why he had been thrown into the lion's den. But nowhere does it say he was fearful or had he called anyone or requested prayer before he went in. <laughs> he didn't make a Facebook post about it. No. I'm stepping on my own toes now. Come on. Praise you. You know why he didn't have fear? Because he had a relationship with the Father. And he went to him. So when the moment came for him to be thrown into the lion's den, there was no fear because he knew his Father would shut the like lion's mouth. Daniel 6.22 says, My God sent his angel to shut the lion's mouth so that they would not hurt me, for I have been found innocent in his sight, and I have not you, your majesty. Daniel's prayer in life said, I am not pray. Has prayer affected your life? Has the lack of prayer affected your life? Let me give you an example for me. When we first, uh, back in 2019, we went to Disney World and we stopped here in Savannah and we fell in love with it. And Brian, my husband, looked at us, looked at me and my daughter and he's like, I like it here, but I know we can't move here. Well, fast forward to June 2020, no, 2019, we felt a shift coming in our home. We, we didn't know what it was. So Brian began to pray and he said, Lord, open a door. If you need to move us, move us. If whatever you need to do, we just feel a change and we want to serve you, God. To be honest with you, I thought it would be to move churches, but it wasn't. He moved us to a totally different state. We moved from North Carolina to here. Praise you, Jesus. Prayer answered, right? Well, when coming here, a hurt happened at our church in North Carolina. And I put myself under a false covering. I retreated. And I held on to that hurt. And as I held on to that hurt, the enemy began to pray on me. Because I wasn't praying. My lack of prayer created some problems in my life. Oh, but praise God. We came to this house. And some chains began to fall. And as I've grown here, I've come to realize I am not pray. Does prayer change things? It does. It changes in many ways. It changes in physical, physical healing. I 
talked about the, the spots that was on my breast. Let me tell you something. It was the prayer of my brothers and sisters in Christ that were going to the Father and being under that covering is why I got that healing report. How many of you experienced the healing? Not just physical, but spiritual, financial. Give him glory for it. The enemy will pray on your weaknesses all while you are praying for strength. Are you praying? Are you postured in victory? What does a strong prayer life look like? It looks like Daniel. It looks like Jesus. Mm. What is the purpose of prayer? Prayer brings a closer relationship with Jesus, and the lack thereof brings consequences. Disconnection, no sustainability, fear, doubt, unworthiness, rejection, hurt, dependency on self and your feelings. There's that word again. I hate that word, feelings. Anyway, get out of your way, church, and get on your knees. We want to pray every problem away for our comfort. But what if our prayers are interfering? Come on now. <laughs> what if our prayers are are interfering with God's perfect plan. What if we're praying, oh, I don't want to feel this way, but we're missing with God's plan. Our prayers can change our circumstance, but when our circumstances don't change, God is trying to change us. So the primary purpose of prayer is to not change our circumstance, but to change us. Change me, God. Who wants to be changed? I do. Mm. Know your identity. Say it with me. I am not pray. Oh, y'all catching on. This is good. I like it. Know your identity. False identity wants you to believe you are prey. When in reality, you carry the authority to tell the like lion where to go. Put him under your feet. You all are the sons and daughters of the Most High. Roar and bring glory to your father. Roar like the lion of Judah. Mm. I read an article once that said, By God's power we will go. By his spirit we are bold. If we're going to stand, we stand as giants. If we're going to walk, we walk as lions. Walk as a lion. You are not prey. Let me ask you, do you pray for others or do you pray on others? That person that is difficult, do you pray for them to overcome? Or do you pray on their shortcomings? Mm, I know. I stepped on two toes. I stepped on mine. Do you pray they find peace and walk in freedom in Jesus? Do you pray that God use this situation to grow and show them? Or do you pray for them to get payback or to feel like you feel? That's not praying. That's praying. P-R-E-Y. That's witchcraft. I ain't playing, church. Stop praying on others and start praying. P-R-A-Y. Praying for them. Pray for them to be delivered. Pray for them to find Jesus and walk in freedom. Come on. All right, let's go back to that bird that was up in that fern. Remember the bird? I told you about the bird. The clueless bird. 
It was under a false covering. Well, the next day, I came home, and those, a storm had come through, and both ferns were on the ground. So I run over. I see the bird. I try to catch the bird. The bird hopped away. I, try, I was looked like a moron trying to catch this bird. I was trying to save it. But then the Lord spoke to me. He says, you've done all you can. You've done all you can. Let me have it. And then I was reminded of prayer. The moment prayer leaves our lips to his ears, you can't control it. It's God's. Give it to him. Who in here wants a different prayer life? Who in here wants a different? No hands? Okay. All right, everybody's got it. Why am I here? Okay. (laughs) Who wants a different prayer life? Praise God. I'm going to speak a prayer over you. Every eye closed and heads bowed. I'm going to speak a prayer over you. Lord, right now you've seen the hands of every person raised. Lord, I ask that you give them a new hunger for you, God, and for your word. And that their prayer life become more intentional. And it's directed towards you, God. Lord, let every person here as they pray, they grow closer to you. That relationship deepens and the connection around them grows so that they can build the kingdom for you, God. In your mighty name. Thank you. Church, come on. Thank you. It's God, right? So I'm going to ask you, as we're coming to a close, Lord, y'all, look at me. Kyle's going to be mad. I'm going to have to extend this a little longer. i got to at least pull this out to 730. Come on. <laughs> I'm going to ask y'all, who are you? Who are you? That's right. You are not prey, so stop acting like it. Devin, can you come up? Church, I can't tell you how much the enemy has come at me in my 48 years of life. But I stand before you telling you, today I am no longer prey. I stand victorious because of him, the Lion of Judah. Who are you, church? You are not prey, so stop acting like it. You are sons and daughters of the king, the lion of Judah, the one who was and is victory. The devil should tremble at your words because you carry Christ, the lion of Judah. So when the enemy rises up against you, when life hits you head on, say, I am not pray. When anger hits you, say, I am not pray. When depression and anxiety tries to creep in, stand in victory and say, I am not pray. When doubt and fear in yourself rises up, say, I am not pray. When shame knocks 
at the door, say, I am not prey. When the old man rises up, say, I am not prey. The enemy wants you to live your life in death, destruction, evil, temptation, deceit, chaos, pain, and sin. But your father wants you to live your life in what? In peace, hope, healing, wisdom, and freedom. Well, I don't mean to yell. <laughs> I want you to get it, church. I don't want you to leave here tonight not understanding that you are victorious. You are not prey, church. So church, go and know who you are. You are victorious. You are not prey. Soar like a bird, but roar like a lion and make your Father's glory known. Roar like a lion because you are not prey. Say it with me one more time. I am not prey. Stand with me, church. Wow. Isn't he good? Isn't he good? Ooh. To feel his presence. To feel the victory that we have. Stand in that victory, church. You are not prey. Lord, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for showing up and showing out tonight, God. We thank you for making your presence known. Lord, I ask that you cover every person here tonight as they leave this church. And that they, every word that was spoken, that they receive it and seek you deeper and intentional. And to understand they are victorious. Lord, they, I want them all to know they are not prey. No longer. No longer bound by the chains and lies of the enemy. We give you praise, Jesus. And if there's anyone here tonight that needs prayer, come up. Come up. If you, if you, Whew. If you need that deeper prayer life and you don't know how to get it, come talk to me. If you've got things in your life that you keep being a prey to, talk to somebody. Talk to your father. He loves you. Oh, I praise you. I praise you, Jesus. I'm going to Devin, just play a few more minutes before we close out. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your presence, God. We give you praise, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Church, as I bring it to a close, I want to thank each of you for coming tonight. My prayers will continue over you even after the night is over. Be encouraged in knowing who you are in Jesus. Leave here tonight knowing you are not prey. Have a good night. Thank you all so much.